point on that. So handling special needs in the classroom. Um, we've also subtitled this, God made you special needs and he loves you very much. And let me give you an intro concept here with this session. In our classroom, it, the proverbial, if you don't get anything, get this. Every child that comes into our classrooms is a special needs child. You know, all, all people, all children have universal needs. We all have a need to be cared for. We all have a need of a savior. Um, every individual person has an individual need. Some people need more physical contact. Some need more verbal encouragement. Every single child that comes into your classroom needs to be treated as special needs, as an individual. And if you have that, if you have that mindset conceptually going in, that'll help you as the teacher break down the barriers that you have when you see a disruptive child or a child that has a certain developmental delay or, um, just isn't paying attention. If you realize every child has a special need, that'll get you very far in handling special needs in the classroom. Um, let's start with point number one. I, I think some of these names are already filled in for you. So uh, is Tommy filled in for you? Good. All right, so Tommy. Let's start with Tommy. Tommy's a two-year-old boy whose mother attends your church. She routinely leaves him in the toddler nursery, and he plays well alongside the other children. One night while working in the nursery, you see Tommy contentedly playing with blocks, building a fort alongside a few of his peers. You turn your back to attend to another child when suddenly you hear Tommy begin to cry. You turn around and notice that Tommy is having a nosebleed, probably from accidentally hitting himself in the nose. The nosebleed is minor, and you feel can be stopped with a little first aid. What do you do? Letter A, do you call 911? Because you can't stand the sight of blood. Ah! Letter B, call Tommy's mother out of the auditorium to console her son. Letter C, put on gloves, pick up Tommy, and quietly rock and console him while you apply pressure to his nose. After the service, alert his mother to the problem and tell her what steps were taken to remedy the issue. And... Who, who, who thinks you should call 911 because you can't stand the sight of blood? Nobody wants to jump to that conclusion, okay? Who would get Tommy's mother out of the auditorium? I would because I'm a man and I normally don't deal with nosebleeds in two-year-olds, okay? Uh, and then letter C, put on gloves, pick on time. So my wife uh, had an experience just like this with a Tommy. Can, can you stand up right there where you're at and just kind of explain your experience about this one? Protect the innocent. Uh, but it was at Rosedale, and uh, you know what? You've had those nights like during the nursery when there's 10 kids in there, it feels like 20. And uh, Tommy wasn't causing any problems, he was playing a block, so somebody else over here was having an issue, so I turned around and just like he said, I heard him cry, and he was just crying, and then all of a sudden I see the blood start to come out of his head, and I'm like, oh great. I'm a veterinarian, blood does not bother me, so I pick him up and I start rocking him. He cried. For quite some time, but we were able to get him calmed down, and I, I told his mother what happened uh, when she came to pick him up. What convicted me, though, when we started doing this presentation, 
is that years later I found out that Tommy was special needs. I didn't know he looked like everybody else. And I thought, would my choice have been different? And I thought, you know what? I didn't have any kids at that time. I'd been working with children for a number of years, but I hadn't worked with any autistic children, which I loved. I think I would have probably made a different decision. And that's what convicted me because I'm like, he's just a kid. <laughs> just like any other child, he needed the same I, I care. I care for him just like any other yeah. child. Would I have done something differently if I'd known he was special needs? Yeah. I didn't Yeah. Because we we take we take special needs and we make it a label and we put those people in a box and we say hopefully Pastor David will run the special needs ministry over here so I don't have to deal with them and that's not the case not not the case in today's society for sure um, special needs as far as as far as just specifically autism way up way up and we'll we'll go over some stats here but um, every child that comes in has has special needs let's get to some points here so point number two introduction. Uh, let's talk about the definition of special needs. So, from Merriam-Webster, we've got any of various difficulties, such as physical, emotional, behavioral, or learning disability or impairment, that causes an individual to require additional or specialized services or accommodations. Every time I teach, I give special accommodations. It's called an outline with blanks. So again, every single person that we deal with, in a sense, is special needs. Everybody has individual needs. What is special needs? It's just difficulty that's impairing learning to some degree. Next, statistics. These are from 2013. Um, one out of 691 babies are born with Down syndrome. Um, 2% of all children are diagnosed with autism. One out of every 31 boys. Man, every 30 boys. Um, 7% ADHD. 8% have a learning disability. 14% developmental disability. 17% of Americans experience a communication disorder. 19% are classified as a person with a disability. 25% of teenagers are identified with an anxiety disorder. Let me tell you, we've all got special needs. And special needs enter our classroom every single day. Every single time we're there to teach. Let us see the perception. The perception of special needs is, first, fear. I'm not trained to handle special needs. And we put up a wall. I feel inadequate to meet their needs. We had somebody tell us that. Um... When we got here, not from this church, we had somebody tell us that. I don't feel equipped to do that. You know, like I said, I don't feel equipped to handle a two-year-old with a nosebleed. <laughs> That's a special need. I, but I, I need to be equipped to handle that. I need to overcome that fear. Uh, apathy. It's the parent's responsibility to manage the special needs child. This child's having a problem. Well, I'm just automatically going to yank him out. If they, if they pull, my, pull my last nerve, just, if they just, I'm going to let him go. The church shouldn't be taxed with finding helpers for that child. The church shouldn't help out. We shouldn't care about having to provide extra help for that person or those two people. Yeah, we should. Yeah, we should. And then ignorance. Uh, we think that some, some of these people just can't understand the gospel. The gospel is very simple. And God knows he's the one that created them. He, he, can, he can bring that gospel message to them. Every child has individual needs. Uh, let's do a few more case studies. Okay, we've got till 
11.25. Yeah. So, you have to try to figure out by the end of this which one I am. <laughs> now, you have to, a good thought, though, is to try to figure out which one our son Levi is and which one our, our daughter Sarah is, if you can figure this out. So, again, change the names to protect the innocent. So, point number three, Hannah. Hannah. Hannah's a six-year-old girl who rides the bus into church. She comes fairly regularly. You notice in class that Hannah's very quiet. And it's difficult to keep her sitting up straight and paying attention. She appears distracted. Uh, lethargic's a good word. Sleepy. She sometimes comes to church without a coat in the winter. Uh, without brushing her hair. Without washing her face. One day she offers in class that she did not eat breakfast that morning. She had to get up and get herself ready for church. To help Hannah, what might you do? A, offer a healthy snack during Sunday school to the entire class. Hopefully gluten-free, nut-free, dairy-free, latex-free. B, realize that it's not your problem that she did not eat breakfast. Tell her she needs to pay attention to class. Don't worry, you'll be home soon, then you can eat lunch then. And C, pray for her parents' salvation. So, who thinks that offering a healthy snack during Sunday school to the entire class might be a good idea? I'll help you. Yeah, sure, certainly. That would be great. I think that maybe some of her issue is just she doesn't have the nutrition and care that morning to be able to pay attention. So if we could feed them a snack, that'll give them some physical nutrition and also show that we care and help them to be more engaged. Uh, who thinks that we should tell them that it's not our problem that you didn't eat breakfast, kiddo? Yeah, of course not. Who thinks we should pray for her parents' salvation? Yeah, I would certainly. I mean, that would help a lot, too, if the home situation was better. Yeah. Hannah may have an emotional disorder. So if you want to put a, a dash next to Hannah... Just as a thought later, it might be, might be an emotional disorder. And that's possibly due to the neglect in her home. And I know this is some psychology, but I'm just giving you some developmental stuff to handle special needs in your classroom. If this happens, here's something you can do. Offer a snack. Love her. Use her name. Make her feel accepted. Pray for her parents' salvation. Provide some nutrition. Um, that doesn't draw attention to Hannah. Say, Hannah, I brought your snack today. Because then I'll go, hey, where's my snack? You know, just, just make it a part of class. It doesn't have to take long. Okay. Uh, any questions on Hannah? Any questions on that? No. Are there more? Yeah, there's more. Okay. So now let's look at Taylor. Taylor is... A nine-year-old girl that comes with a dedicated family in your church. Her name's not April. Okay, It's Taylor. It's getting close. Um, her parents are not churchgoers themselves and are a bit skeptical of religion in general, but allow Taylor to come. So it's, it's a, a child coming with another family to, to church. In class, you notice Taylor can't seem to be quiet. She can't hold a thought. She speaks out a lot. She fidgets a lot. Uh, she wants to call out. And if you don't answer her uh, right away, she gets offended and makes a bigger scene. She doesn't get her way. So, what might you do? A. 
Tell her that if she cannot be quiet, then she cannot come back to class. Tell the family that brings her that she might have to sit with them in the adult classes if she cannot behave. B, structure your class. Have a visual on your schedule. Man, visual schedule. Uh, When Taylor speaks out, point to where the class is on the schedule or even the appropriate volume level if you have a volume meter and when it's appropriate to speak. Or C, ignore the behavior. She is just looking for attention anyway. Okay, I'm not going to ask you for questions, for for answers here, because I want you to feel embarrassed. But um, if you can structure your class a little bit more so that Taylor understands, this is the time that we're quiet, this is the time that we can talk, that may help curb some of Taylor's outbursts, and it may help you to be able to focus on lesson time. Also, try, if possible, to... Ignore the behavior. It's hard. It's very hard, especially if it's noisy because that brings more attention. But try your best to ignore it um, because she's looking for attention. Later, you learn that Taylor has been diagnosed with dash ADHD. And she's on medication sometimes. Sometimes she's not. So on weekends, maybe... Parents don't give her the medication because it's too expensive. So they skip on weekends. So that's when you get her. So doing something like having a a visual schedule of class, we're at this, five more minutes, and then we're going to go to this. Or a volume meter of, hey, we're at level one right now. We're supposed to be quiet. It's not level two talking. It's not level three singing loud. Those things might help. These aren't expensive things. These aren't very intricate things. They just take a little bit of time to help that child. Uh. Do pray for Taylor. Be firm. Be loving. Um, maybe get an older child or helper to sit with her so that she can have that outlet at times that she needs. And if you have long periods of time where the children are sitting, consider breaking that up so that she can get up, use up some of that energy and sit back down again. Okay. Uh, next one. Jacoby. Before we get to Jacoby, any questions about Taylor? ADHD. Yes. Sure. So this is, this is something that we do with one of our children. I'm not going to tell you which. Uh, we have a, first we do this. Next we're going to do that. Then we get, whatever the fun part is. <laughs> the more desirable activity goes right here. Okay, so maybe this is game time. I like to save game time. I like to get the lesson in before game time. So if I get the game time in, there goes all the fun. There goes all their energy. Now they don't pay attention during the lesson. Yep. Good. No questions? All right. Case three. Uh, point five, Jacoby. Jacoby's a 10-year-old child who rides in on the bus. You notice that he resists any form of instruction or rules. Hmm. He stays to himself. He's often sullen and quiet. He kicks the chair in front of him. One Sunday, out of desperation, you send for the bus captain to remove him from class, but he refuses to go. <laughs> You're bringing back, this is bringing back bad memories, yes. He hits and kicks the bus captain as he attempts to remove him from the room, physically. Next Sunday, Jacoby is back in class and still not behaving. What do you do? A, 
Run from the wind screaming. Where's the Sunday school director? Pastor David. I need to resign. Where's those pink slips? B, talk to the bus captain. Try to find out more about Jacoby's home. Pray to God to give you wisdom and know how to best help Jacoby. That sounds pretty good. Makes it a little tough for right this moment, teaching him this lesson, but but that's why we're here. We're, we're here to care for them while they're with us. C, set boundaries and do not budge. Set consequences for breaking rules. Be loving but firm. Who thinks that children do better with structure than without? Yep, both hands and a leg, certainly, certainly. Uh, Jacoby has, if you want to put a dash next to his name, um, or could have, oppositional defiant disorder. Oppositional slash defiant disorder. He opposes and defies. You find out from the bus captain that his father recently and abruptly walked out of Jacoby's home. Gone for good. So Jacoby now is abandoned. He's angry. He doesn't have that male figure. He doesn't have that authority figure in the home. Unless God's word penetrates his heart, Jacoby's going to follow in the steps of his dad. So, again... Pastor Montoro, the, the guy that comes in with the pants around the legs, around the ankles, you know, the guy that, that, uh, his shirt's untucked, his face isn't washed. Hey, God wants to reach that child also. We may be the only hope that that child has in this community. Um, that one may, something severe like that, you may even want to get with, with Pastor David or Pastor Lejeune and mention that one. Okay. But what what we found to help with Jacoby, Jacoby, <laughs> Jacoby, is uh, that was that that was a good name. Was that we had a young helper with us, a young man, in his in his early twenties. I said young, young man, and he sat with him. And when Jacoby would act out, he would take him out of the room and talk with him, and he was able to make some ground with that. Not every classroom has that ability. That's again why I say have a helper. Have a backup or two in your class. Or be that helper. Be there. Be willing to sit with a Jacoby. Be willing to love him through his oppositional defiance. Questions on Jacoby? Those are the most frustrating, by the way, at least for me. It's just... It, it was tough for me, and our hearts broke for him. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Those needs are hard to handle as an adult, trying to deal with those issues. Imagine putting that in a 10-year-old, 7-year-old body and mind. It, it's, it's just too much. So it's our job to, to be there to care for them and somehow model a good authority and, like last session, get them to Jesus Christ. Because God's the one that can help him even with that circumstance. Um, lastly, Austin. Uh, Austin is a five-year-old boy whose parents are members and attend regularly. You notice that he has some unusual quirky behavior and at times flaps his hands. 
He is verbal, but sometimes uses language inappropriately, calling his parents by their first names instead of mommy and daddy. Uh, he appears to be obedient, attempts to sit quietly, but becomes agitated after about five minutes and may just fall on the floor, may go over to a wall and bang his head against the wall. What do you do? A, call his parents to sit with him during the lesson. Uh, B, make sure that Austin can see and understand the class schedule and time allotments and try to keep the schedule the same each week, try to make it routine. Uh, C, counsel with your pastor to help find Austin a buddy in class, older teen, older helper. Uh, D, uh, tell his parents that he cannot come back to class because you don't have the resources to help him. So again, we, we look at these behaviors, and I, I, I've been guilty of this myself, and we think, I can't help these people. But the bottom line is, yes, we can help these people to a certain degree. And that's what God asks of us in children's ministries. If they come to our class, God has given us the responsibility to care for those needs. Okay? So next to Austin, Dash, Autism. Autism Spectrum Disorder, ASD. Uh, autism is A-U-T-I-S-M on most days when I'm not dyslexic. Visual schedule, visual timer, which is uh, what we have up here. Okay, Austin. We get to do that in five minutes. Okay, and they won't look at it the whole time. That will keep them on task. Also helps me. I need a timer. We've got about two minutes. Hey, we're all special needs. Um, providing a buddy would help Alston, definitely. Um, the more visual you can make your lessons, really that helps everybody. The more senses you can get in teaching, especially with children, I mean, it, it helps. Smell it, taste it, touch it, see it, hear it. They love that. And then ask the parents. Hey, hey, mom, dad, when Austin does this, how would you like me to handle that? And they'll be glad to do that. If we have to continue to pull the children in, the, the family's not going to come anymore. Because the parents are thinking, well, why do, I, why do I come to church if I just have to come in and pull him out and deal with this thing? I can do that at home. So we want to be as accommodating, set up the environment, and be caring as much as possible. Lastly, conclusion. Conclusion. So don't think that you're not trained to handle special needs. Don't think that you're inadequate to meet their needs. Um, all of us have some special need. Every child has a need. And they, their main need is that they need to see Christ's love for them. Every child benefits from visual aids, a consistent class schedule. And, and try to let the parents stay in their adult Sunday school class or main service as much as possible. Try to. You may also need to recruit some people that you know are mature Christians to come in and help you in your class to be helpers. That's great. And again, 
don't think that anybody's too young or too strange or too different to understand the gospel. Yeah, it's it's sad, but many many families um, that do have children with difficulties don't go to church simply because the church won't care for their children. We go visit a region. We go to. We're always we're going to go to church on Sunday because that's what we do. And we've been we kicked out, been kicked out of children's programs. You know, have one in the hall, and I'm okay with that because we have a home church. But I'm thinking, man, if I'm lost and I came here, I wouldn't get to hear the gospel. Right. I'd be walking up and down the hallway with my son, you know, and I wouldn't be able to even hear how to get to heaven, you know. And I certainly don't feel like the people care about me, you know. Yep. So it just it breaks my heart because uh, you know families. Set up your environment so that it's receptive. Be receptive to every single child that God brings your way. Um, I'm going to pray for lunch. It's 11.25. I'm going to pray for lunch, and I'll stick around for a couple minutes for any questions. Yeah, I want to just add a couple of things there, especially as the children's pastor. Yeah. First off, I want to say, I love the phrase, but every, every child has a special need. Whether it's diagnosed or not, everyone right. has, everyone relates to something one way or another. Whether it's something that's on some kind of spectrum or whatever, or just the way people handle things. Make sure we're teaching in a way that, that, that the children understand it. I have a girl in one of my classes. She's a brilliant girl, but she has to stop and she has to repeat the lesson back to you just to make sure she got it. <laughs> I can accommodate that. That's fine. You know, she's a brilliant child. She's no spectrum, but that's, that's her need. Just, just repeat it back to you. Okay. Let her take five minutes with the answer. Repeat it back to me. Hey, you got it. You're good. Every child's only special. Make sure we're teaching lessons so the child is not getting through an outline, reading into the child's heart. Um, what's going on here? You know, the three I want to share with it is, you know, just a reminder, every child is welcomed here at White Oak Baptist Church. Yeah. Amen. Whatever their thing is at. You know, y'all know Krista's had, Krista in Las Vegas was a, was a, Autism therapist. And we've been with several families who, yeah, they were literally kicked out. I'm sorry, you can't come back because, well, the child's back too while. They were on the high end of things. Some, some of the children with autism, you'll never know. You can have conversations with them, they'll never know. Okay, every child is welcome to you. As I look at this list that he went over, I don't know about y'all, how many of y'all came up with the names of the church? Of, who, who comes to our church that has this list? <laughs> but, you know, you marked it on here, who is this, who is that? 